Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. He arose. Amen. Thank you so much, Sister Lowe. Good morning to my People's Baptist Church family. Good morning to our guests and friends who have joined us. Welcome and happy Easter to everyone. As the ancient uh, way of welcoming people, we say Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed. And we thank God for this opportunity of celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of the message today is The Great News of Easter. The Great News of Easter. We are celebrating today the central defining event of the Christian faith. On this day for the last 20 centuries, Christians have gathered together all over the world in remote villages and in crowded cities, in cathedrals and church buildings like ours, in rented schoolrooms, in storefronts, and in private homes, bearing witness to the world that Jesus has risen from the dead. This simple statement of faith is the key distinction between Christianity and every other religion or philosophy known to man. Buddha didn't rise from the dead. Confucius is still in the grave. Ancient philosophers like Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato are still sleeping the sleep of death. Every man or woman in history who claimed to know the way to God is dead. This fact not only makes Christianity unique, it also makes the resurrection of Jesus Christ good news. But to call the resurrection of Jesus Christ good news is to be guilty of a gross understatement. It is not just good news. It is great news, fantastic news, wonderful news, amazing news. In a few moments, I'm going to talk about why the resurrection is such great news, why it is more than just an interesting historical event, but first I want to talk about Holy Saturday, the day between the death of Jesus on Good Friday and the discovery of the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. The great news of Christ's resurrection can only be 
appreciated against the bad news of his death. Consider how the disciples must have felt as the sun came up on that cold, gray Saturday morning. Just the day before, they had witnessed the brutal execution of their master, their Lord. They had watched him suffer as his life slowly drained away. His wasn't a calm, peaceful passing, and it wasn't a noble, heroic death. It was the agonizing, shameful, humiliating death of a condemned criminal nailed to a wooden cross between two criminals. The disciples listened as Jesus took his final tortured breaths. They saw the Roman soldier that, with a sword, thrust into the side of Jesus to make sure he was dead. They watched as his lifeless corpse was pulled down and taken away to be placed in a barred tomb. How must they have felt? Grief-stricken, heart-broken, shocked, traumatized, but most of all, confused. Only a week before, they were walking proudly at Jesus' side as he rode triumphantly into Jerusalem, surrounded by adoring crowds, crowds shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They were all convinced that he was the Messiah, the one who would save his people. He was going to reestablish Israel as an independent nation, and he was going to give his disciples positions of honor and authority in his new kingdom. But then everything came crashing down around them. Jesus was arrested and, and brought before Pilate, and the crowd suddenly changed their tune. As recorded in Matthew chapter 27, 20 through 23, it says, Meanwhile, the leading priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas! Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? The crowd, they shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. And remember what happened on Palm Sunday, that's in a week away. Crucify him. Now a dead teacher, a lifeless savior. How could it end this way? They must have thought. Everything Jesus taught had seemed so right. They couldn't reconcile what had just happened with what they thought they knew about Jesus. Jesus had told them again and again about his death and his resurrection, but somehow they couldn't grasp the fact that 
Jesus would die. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. The disciples did not take the words of Jesus seriously because they just couldn't conceive that the Son of God could die. But try to imagine how confused and distraught they must have felt. Now let me ask you a question. Haven't you felt like the disciples at times also? You thought you understood what was involved in following Jesus. You thought you knew what was supposed to happen. You had hopes, plans, expectations, and then something came out of left field and knocked you right off your feet. You never saw it coming. Not only that, you never imagined it could come. What's going on? You cried in pain and confusion. This isn't supposed to happen. This isn't supposed to be a part of the life that Jesus promised. I never expected cancer. I never expected to lose my job. I never expected my child to die. Something is terribly wrong. I thought I knew who Jesus is, and he would never allow this. Have you ever felt that way? If so, you're in good company, because these are exactly the kind of thoughts that the disciples were, were having on that Saturday morning. It seemed that God had abandoned them, and they didn't know what to do. But then something happened that changed everything for them and for us. Early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb and to their surprise, they were met by an angel. And Matthew 28, 5-7 tells what happened. It says, the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He's not here. He has risen from the dead, as he said he would. Come and see the place where his body was. And go quickly and tell his followers, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's going into Galilee ahead of you, and you will see him there. Then the angel said, no, I have told you, or remember, I have told you. Hallelujah. As it turned out, Jesus was not a madman or a con man. He was and is the risen Lord, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. If there is one thing that we can learn from Easter, it is that God specializes in hopeless situations. Easter is a reminder that God can bring life out of death, hope out of despair, gladness out of sadness, and blessings out of burdens. And I want to suggest two reasons why Easter is such great news. It is great news, first, because it assures us 
that we can live a rich and satisfying life regardless of our situation. By all appearances, the lives of Jesus' followers had fallen apart at his death. They mourned his death and feared for their own lives. But after his resurrection, they had the power to live victoriously day by day. And that has been the experience of Christians down through the centuries. Richard Moore accepted Christ as his Savior on Easter Sunday, 1985, while on death row in the Indiana State Penitentiary. One year later on Easter morning, Chuck Colson, former lawyer to President Nixon, who himself went to prison because of the Watergate problems. And in prison, he found Christ. And so he started prison fellowship in order to minister to prisoners. And a group, he took a group of prisoners to make a surprise visit to death row in the Indiana State Prison. They were led through the inner maze of, of cell blocks to the end of the line where men awaited execution. There were 10 men isolated there, and most were still asleep. The only outside light came from small windows high in the concrete walls. It didn't look much like Easter in that prison. It was depressingly cold, dark, and clammy. As the group walked past the cells, the men blinked and rubbed their eyes in surprise to see visitors so early. They barely responded to the greetings, then rolled over to go back to sleep. On the second level, the visitors could see one brightly lit cell. Somehow they knew it was Richard Moore. It was Richard Moore's cell. He was smiling as if waiting for the group to arrive. He thrust his hands through the thick bars of his cell, joyfully greeting each other. His smile broadened as he talked about his feelings that day. He said, when I was on the outside, Easter meant new clothes and going to church to see what everyone else was wearing. Today I'm in this place but now I know what Easter really means. And one of the women in the group had a guitar, and she began to play the familiar hymn that the quartet sang this morning. I serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, He's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Those victorious words rang out through death row. Prisoners like Richard Moore knew full well the emptiness of living without Christ. But when Christ comes into their lives, they experience the forgiveness of sins and a rich and satisfying life in spite of their situation 
behind prison walls. I don't know what prison, what imprisons you this morning. Maybe you're being held captive by stress, by loneliness, by depression, by fear, by insecurity, by resentment or by failure. Maybe there is something else that has your life imprisoned in agony and defeat. But there is good news this morning. Christ is alive and he wants to give us victory in our present situation right here and now. Victory over sin, victory over doubts, victory over fears, victory over death. The risen Christ wants us to have abundant life or rich and fulfilling life in him today and every day. Remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He says, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came to give life, life in all its fullness. And there are multitudes of people this morning worshiping who have experienced that life which Jesus gives in spite of all that is going on around them. They know that Jesus is alive and that he is the Lord and master of their lives. But the second point is, Easter is great news because it assures us of victory over death. It assures us of victory over death. All of all the fears that grips the hearts of mankind. No fear is greater than the fear of death. People say that nothing is certain but death and taxes, but that is not quite correct. A person may find a way to avoid paying taxes. He may simply not file a return, and at least for a while he pays no taxes at all but you cannot avoid death or put it off. When your time is up, your time is up. Easter is a celebration that one man slipped through the grave and came back to tell us about it. Death could not hold him, and now he holds the keys of death and hell. When Jesus rose from the dead, he broke the power of death forever. Listen to the words of Jesus in, in John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said to her, that is to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. There is great news from the graveyard this morning. There is an empty tomb in the cemetery. It is the tomb of Jesus. He died on Friday afternoon. They buried him on Friday evening, and by Sunday morning, his tomb was empty. This is God's great news. That death could not hold him, that the grave could not keep him, and that he is the Lord of life, the King immortal and eternal. When the great morning comes, Jesus himself will say, Good morning. You have slept long enough. 
It is time to get up. Hurry, children. We are going to take a trip today. Then as we rise through the air, there will be a great gasp of recognition. Mother, father, son, daughter, husband, wife. Oh, you look so good. Sweetheart, is that you? Yes, mother, it's me. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Colds gone, flu disappeared, cancer vanished, strokes a distant memory, paralyzed limbs will leap once more, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the mute will speak, broken bodies will be made whole. Quick, now get in line. The heavenly procession is already begun. Go straight to the pearly gates. Before us, we will see heaven first as a speck, then as a chariot, then as a throne, then as a city, then as a star, then as the sun, and then as the universe itself. Farewell, dissolving earth. Earth recedes, heaven opens before us. Oh, we think death means going from the land of the living to the land of the dying. No, For those who know Jesus Christ, death means going from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Oh, 4,000 plus years ago, Job asked the question, if a man dies, will he live again? It is the one question Easter was meant to answer. All of us will face death someday, but for those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior from sin, death holds no fear. We are not afraid of the darkness, for Jesus is the light of the world. We won't stay in the valley of the shadow of death, for Jesus said he will be our guide. Oh, we may die, but we won't stay dead. Jesus has the keys, and one day he's going to come back for us. Each of us has an appointment with death sooner or later, but that is cause for rejoicing, not fear provided we have put our trust in the one who holds the keys of life and death. So Christians rejoice, give thanks to God. Death has been defeated and someday will be destroyed completely. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 53 through 57. Paul says, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power, but thank God, he gives us a victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The day is coming, my brothers and sisters, when Jesus will wipe away all tears from our eyes. This is the blessed hope of the believer in Christ. Without this hope, death would still be greatly feared. The grave would be a dreaded finality. Our hearts would remain miserable and sick. 
our minds would be troubled and tormented, our souls would have no song to sing, and life would have very little to offer. But because of Calvary and the resurrection, we need not be afraid of living or dying. Yes, we may, f- we may have to face deep-seated sorrows, long-lasting trials, painstaking problems, mind-boggling pressures, heart-breaking traumas, and soul-shocking events. But victory and a rich and satisfying life will be ours because Jesus is alive and has all power in his hands. And that ought to be sufficient to dry our tears, to inspire our hopes, to strengthen our faith, to calm our nerves, and to put a spring in our step. Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. Praise the Lord, Jesus is alive. Glory be to God, Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth living just because he lives. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 10.30 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.